0: Welcome back to the Southland Christian Ministries podcast. During these next couple of weeks, we will be posting sermons that were spoken at the camp from previous summers. Our speaker for today is Dr. Carl Herbster. This sermon was recorded during Southland's family camp in 2004. His message is entitled, Having the Mind of Christ in Child Training. Are you having a great time? I am having a wonderful time for a lot of reasons. Um, but one of those reasons is because I get a chance to see my family and to uh, see them in action. Many of you said, Boy, your buttons must have been bursting last night when those little ones uh, got up there and um, quoted that scripture and sang those songs. And uh, I just praise the Lord. You know, um, try not to, you know, uh, take glory and say, Boy, that was my grandchildren. You know, but praise the Lord because it's only by the grace of God that any of our children turn out for the Lord. But I have to tell you what really thrills me uh, even more so than seeing the little grandchildren get up and do that is to see my children uh, Taking biblical principles and raising our grandchildren for the Lord Uh, I can't raise the grandchildren. They're not around. And by the way, I don't want to (laughs) I played my dude (laughs) I just like to have them come and let me play with them a little bit and then when they start bussing send them home You know, that'll take care of them. I mean, I'm in that grandparents. By the way, grandparents a verse for you Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9 Teach, it to thy, teach them to thy sons and to thy sons' sons. So we do have a responsibility not to ruin our grandkids when they come and stay with us, okay? And that's one of our great challenges of life is making sure that when they go back, they're just as well as behaved as when they came. That's what we try to do. I don't think we've succeeded yet, but we're trying, okay? Uh, but we praise the Lord, and that, that's such a thrill. And because uh, really, when you think of the mind of Christ, uh, family is at the very center of his mind. In the beginning, God created the family. The very first institution that was established by God is the family. Uh, he said, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. Amen, men? So your helper sitting next to you. It's not good for man to be alone. Amen. Now you're coming. Now you're coming. I know it's morning. It'll take you a little while. But it's not good for man to be alone. And he says, I'll make him a helper. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. I've been preaching that, and my boys have been responding to the invitation. <laughs> and and we now have, uh, we'll soon have 10 grandchildren born under the age of five. And so, um, boy, what they do, they do quickly. And so we just thank the Lord for what the Lord is doing in our lives. And God established the family, and he said it's the family's responsibility to bring children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. So this morning, I thought it would be good for us to think about that. I've seen a lot of children run around here. I think it's good for us to think about the mind of Christ as it comes to child training. And uh, there's one verse that I want you to focus on. I'll be sharing several, but I want you to go back to Proverbs chapter 22, and many of you know verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. And I want us to read it together. And again, it's one of those verses I hope that you'll memorize and you'll remind yourself of your responsibility continually. Because in Proverbs chapter 22, and verse 6, the Bible says, Together, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to be with these folks and to talk about a lot of different biblical issues, but I can't think of a more important one than the family. And I pray, Lord, that as we talk about children and raising the next generation for you, I pray, Lord, that we will be able to see great things accomplished in the lives of the young people that are represented in this family camp And I pray that we will be able to have the joy of watching our children, raising our grandchildren for the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That is quite an awesome thought when you're raising your children, and I didn't think about it honestly, but now I think about it. Remember this, you're raising the parents of your grandchildren. You're raising the parents of your grandchildren. And when you think about that, it's not just the fact that you want them to do right, you want them to be able to teach others to do right. I know in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, it's dealing, it's a pastoral epistle and it's dealing with preachers. And it says, the things that you have learned of me among many witnesses, same commit to faithful men who should then be able to teach others also. But it's a good family verse too, because that's what it's all about. Teaching our children uh, how to raise their children so they can raise their children for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, you imagine how quickly we could take over this country if every Christian family you know, really did the job of uh, raising their children for the Lord and they had their grandchildren somewhere. We're, we're missing the boat Somewhere we're missing missing out. We're not training up our children in the way they should go Because uh, we're seeing a lot of them departing from the truth of the Word of God Let's look at this passage and let's try to apply it and uh, Let's see how well we're doing accomplishing the mind of Christ when it comes to child training first of all notice the process for child training the process for child training who is responsible for the education of children? Say it louder. Not government? I, I, you know, after all, no child left behind? I mean, we've got it. I mean, we're, we're going to take care of all the children in the United States of America. No children are going to be left behind. You can count on us, big daddy government, to take care of it. No, you can't. <laughs> you don't want to and shouldn't. But how sad it is that some parents, you know, they'll, they'll just count on the government to do it. They'll feed them and die for them maybe and send them off to school and let the school indoctrinate them in uh, false teaching. And that's where we are today. I tell people I'm not against the public schools because they're public any more than I'm against the public libraries or the public streets or the public zoos. You know, there's nothing wrong with something being public. I'm against it because it's secular. And I do believe if you study history of our country, and I know that revisionists are changing history of our country, but if you'd study the history of our country, I believe there was a time when public schools were basically Christian. And they were started in churches. And the, usually the teacher was the pastor in town. But it's not that way anymore. Uh, Dewey made sure of that. And now we're into a secular educational system, void of God. That's why I couldn't recommend the public schools for anybody. I mean, I'd say Christian school, or home educate, do something. It's interesting at the Southern Baptist Convention. This year, for the first time, they had a resolution. Didn't pass, but a resolution. Uh, er, that they would urge all parents to take their children out of the public school what a start I mean, yeah. that's amazing for an institution like that to start considering something like that we as independent Baptists I, I hope have been promoting that for a long time, but uh, I tell you I I you just can't uh, uh, Count on the public schools to do it. And you shouldn't count because it's parents responsibility. but hold on It's not the government's responsibility, but it's also not the church's responsibility Well, I see this Parents blaming the youth group for the problem with their kids. Parents blaming the Christian school for the problem with their kids. Parents even blaming the pastor. I I don't have anything to do with it, you know. No, no, no. I do have something to do with it. I mean, it's my responsibility to feed the flock. It's my responsibility to teach the parents and to teach the young people. But ultimately, this preacher answers for three. Three. Matthew Mark, and not Luke, Michael, Matthew, Mark, and now I answer for how I'm involved in the lives of, the, of their families as well. Because God instituted the family to raise children, to train up children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Keep your finger here. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. A wonderful section of Scripture. As God is instructing the children of Israel... And he says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto whose children? Thy children, to your children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in the house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. By the way, when are you supposed to teach your children? Or are you supposed to train your children? All the time. And you're doing it whether you like it or not. Because they're watching you every time the offering plate goes by. You know, I heard about the little boy who was listening to his parents complain about the church going home from church. Said, Man, service too long, preacher was too dry, just nobody seems to be friendly and was complaining. The little boy finally said, What do you expect for a quarter? Uh, <laughs> he was watching. He knew what was going on. And our children, you know, really, really see us. And our life is teaching more than our lips. And we have a responsibility all the time to teach. But here, it's the responsibility of parents. Parents have that responsibility. And ultimately, men, Ephesians 6 4 says, Angie, oh, you don't want to say it, do you? Angie, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord I like to tell men you're the king of your castle or your hassle whatever you have at home. It's yours and uh, it's Your responsibility. Ultimately, I can't pass a buck even to my wife. I Praise the Lord that I have a helper That's another amen for you men. I mean, I'm just trying I'm trying to help you guys wake you up here I mean, uh, I I praise the Lord for, uh, for a helper amen. Yeah, now you're getting it. Okay. Amen. I mean I praise the Lord for a helper, but that's what she is She's a helper. I'm responsible and boy do we need men Standing up and being responsible for the education of their children. We need men coming to parent-teacher conferences, not just the the moms. Praise the Lord for the moms. Where would we be without the moms? Amen? Amen. (laughs) Praise God for uh, my wife and for her involvement with the children. But I'm responsible to make sure. And that's why I love it when parents will go and ask Sunday school teachers, how are my children doing? They'll go ask Christian school teachers, how are my children doing? They'll go ask junior church workers, how are my children doing? Because, uh, you know, sometimes they're not doing so well, but some of the workers aren't as, you know, anxious to come and tell you that. But when you come and ask, it opens up the opportunity. You know, and we need to do that. We need to find out because it's not their responsibility. It's our responsibility to take charge. And I'll tell you, Christian workers and local churches that have parents that see that responsibility and take that responsibility seriously, they rejoice and they say there is victory ahead for these families. Even though some days it doesn't seem like it, there is victory ahead for these families. And we need to make sure that we take our responsibility seriously. We are responsible, but I praise the Lord that there's a lot of other people that can come along and help. I like to think of my responsibility as a, a manager of my home. As the head of my home, I'm the manager of my home. And I was a, a sales manager for a Martin Marietta Corporation in Chicago. And uh, I had the responsibility to oversee what was going on there, but I had seven other guys that were out there in the territory doing a lot of the work. And I praise the Lord as a manager of my home. Not only do I have my wife that is uh, intricately involved with me, but I also have a, a youth pastor that has been a real blessing. I have a Christian school teacher; that's been a real blessing. I have a, a coach that's been a real blessing. I tell you, coach, when coach you know, walked in the room, everybody, oh, coach. The coach thought it was right. Oh, it was, it was right. I praise the Lord for other preachers that have been such a help to me. I remember when Matt came back from senior high camp, and we always have senior high testimonies from, our camp but he got up and he said oh boy I had a great time at camp did this and did that and I got to hear my favorite preacher Tom Farrell." by the way I was sitting on the platform, and I'm a preacher And he caught himself and he said my my favorite evangelist and Praise the Lord for evangelists like Tom Farrell and Brian Sams and all these guys that are out there preaching the Word of God and young people making decisions uh, as these young people uh, are, are sitting under the strong preaching of God's word. I look for I want our young people I want my children under the strongest preaching I can get them under and we try to get some of the greatest preachers in America to come and preach to Southland for that purpose Because it's the word of God that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and I praise the Lord for it I praise the Lord for camp counselors. I Met with them last night and I said I hope that your ministry won't end with a week that the young people are here I, I, I meet people all over the place that talk to me about my boys being their camp counselors and uh, some of the decisions they made in that cabin, and, and I, I me mean, young people always says I email your son, Matt, and he emails me back. I'm so surprised that he would talk to me and communicate with me, and I think, hallelujah. You know, an ongoing ministry, and it's amazing the, the, the camaraderie that can come from those camp counselors. One of the reasons I, I pick a camp where they, they have that philosophy of having those college-age young people that are there working with them. Now, my job is to take all those things and kind of look at it and say, okay, what are the best things for my children? I'm responsible parents have the responsibility and uh, I I believe in parents rights and I believe that uh, one of the movements going on in the United States of America right now that I'm actively involved in is parental choice and education because it's biblical I don't get involved in government because I like to get involved in government I get involved in government because I'm a have a responsibility as a proclaimer of the gospel and a proclaimer of the word of God to see that government even uses the Bible it works and praise the Lord, Lord, right now we have a president, we have a secretary of education that uh, understand parental choice, and we even have a demonstration project going on in Washington, D.C., federally funded. I mean, it's scary, better, amazing. It may be the leak in the dike to start letting parents have the right to educate their children the way they see fit without being discriminated against, and that's what's happening right now. We pay our taxes to educate the uh, young people of this society in the public schools and um, we're discriminated against because we also pay the, the price to educate them at home or in a Christian school or whatever else we decide to do as parents. There ought to be some parents' rights in the United States of America, praise the Lord. We have an administration right now that understands that and agrees with that, and um, who knows what'll happen in the days to come. But I'll tell you what, no matter what happens, no matter what it costs me, I need to take responsibility for my children. It'll never work if you don't make that your number one priority. Number one, it's gotta be. It's, it's got to be the priority. Some of you heard me give my priority list. and I, I do a whole session on this, and you know, like I say, there's so many things that you put I'm just going to give you the priority list, and, uh, and I won't be able to make a lot of comments about it this session, but maybe another time, another family camp, I'll, I'll, I'll do that whole session. But I use my hand to remind me of my priorities. My hand goes with me everywhere I go, so it helps me to remember. I just look at my hand, and my first priority Is my thumb going up. My priority is to have a right relationship with God That's where it all starts. I have to have a right relationship with God. That's my first priority You know love the Lord my God with all my heart my soul and my mind That's where it all starts But then I got all these horizontal relationships and my number one horizontal relationship is my family first institution established It's my family and it's got to be priority those of you that are preachers in here and several of you are and uh, Some are thinking about it and are gonna be there someday Don't you ever get caught up in that debate? Which is more important, ministry or family? It's family. You don't qualify for the ministry if you don't take care of your family. One that rules his own house well, 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's a qualification for being in the ministry. So family is first. Then ministry is second. My local church is second, horizontally. I, I mean, I don't care whether you're a pastor or whether you're a factory worker or whatever. The most important thing is to have a good local church that you can minister in, that your family can grow in, that your family can serve in. Then it's your occupation or your job. The only reason you have a job or an occupation is so that you can take care of your family and take care of your church. And if you don't work, you should need. I mean, there's another good one for the government. And our good friend, uh, Attorney General Ashcroft, is the one that sponsored the bill, as Senator Ashcroft, to have the welfare reform where that that was started to be put in practice and all comes back to biblical teaching. You know, and it's amazing how many people will start uh, working if they don't eat. Start looking for jobs a little bit harder. You know, and obviously there are some that aren't able, and the poor will have with us always, the Bible says, and we should take care of the poor. And we should we the church abrogated their responsibility and government took over, and I think we still have a responsibility as Christians to help those that have genuine needs. But my responsibility for working. Is so that I can take care of the church and take care of my family, and I need to take care of the church with at least the 10%. But that's not where it stops, because as my family graduates and goes off and gets married and have their own household, and my salary stays the same, I don't need as much for the family. So why do I stick at 10%? Why don't I give 20, 30, 40, 50%? Or, or do like some businessmen of the past and say, "I'll tell you what, I'm going to live on the 10% and give God the 90." Do you imagine what would happen in the ministry if we would start seeing people that really said, nope, I'm, I'm putting God first. My family's all raised now. I don't need the five bedrooms anymore. I don't think you ever needed five bedrooms, but that's all right. You know, get, you know I, don't, I don't need those. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Some of you do. That's right. And of course, when you get grandkids, you need 10 bedrooms. So, I mean, it really gets difficult. But, you know, we're, isn't it amazing how we get caught up in the things of this world instead of laying up treasures in heaven? Then you know what the last priority is me because that's the way it should be I should I'm the little finger not the big thumb I'm the little finger I'm me as but you know what a lot of people say me first and no wonder we have problems in our homes when it's me first instead of God first and family you know, get your priorities right and take your responsibility seriously because that that is really God's process is to put the the parents in charge. Parents in charge. Now, parents, there's a couple things that you have to realize. Uh, you have to start early in the training of children. You have to start early in the training of children. Here in Proverbs 22 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You don't play with them like little toys and then when they become teenagers and go bonkers say now what do I do You 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 bring them up right so that when they're teenagers you'll be able to have an open conversation with them and be able to have good discussion Teenage years were my favorite years I mean my wife loves the baby years preschool years I want them to grow up where we can have big theological discussions you know or we can sit around and talk about the issues of the day and how are we going to solve all the world's problems and you know, all those kind of things I I love teenagers because they got ideas. Some of them are goofy, but they got ideas. And, you, and it's fun to talk to them, and it's fun to take them back to the Scripture and say, well, how would you explain this verse? What would you do about that? But you have to establish a relationship with your teenagers to be able to ever do that. And that's, that's bringing them up. That's training them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that starts early, and a lot of people miss it because I see it far too often in our church. Little children saying no to their parents. And the parents just not knowing what to do about it. You know, little children throwing temper tantrums. And they will. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. I mean, it's going to happen. It, it, it will happen. Look down here in verse 15. You see it? Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Don't expect your children to be perfect. You know, they're they're going to they're mess up, they're going to goof up, they're going to do dumb things like when Matthew was sent to the principal's office and I was the principal. Second grade. And I said, Matthew, why are you here? And he says, Dad, I got an eraser stuck up my nose. Now, is that a dumb thing to do to get it written out? When you hear the whole story, you'll say it was really a dumb thing because I said, son, how did you get a eraser stuck up your nose? He said, well, I was playing with my pencil and the eraser came off and I kind of looked at it, put it in my nose and made it hang out like it was something else. Cute. And he said, I forgot it was there and I sniffed. Of course, the herbster nose is a pretty powerful tool, you can tell. And it went up his right nostril, and he couldn't get the thing out. And uh, he said, oh, have yeah, I failed as a parent or what? You know, is there any hope for this this child that he would do that? And, you know, my wife had to take him to the emergency room. I was a Christian school principal. I didn't want anybody to see me and recognize that Christians. you imagine that news? Christian school principal's son, as a eraser stuck up his nose, you know. Could have hurt the cause of Christ. So, uh, gee, but we had to take him to the emergency room to get that eraser out of his nose. He, I could tell We could be here the rest of the day, you know, telling stories about our our children and all the foolish things that... uh, that, But by the way, have you ever done some foolish things? Yep. And aren't you glad God's long-suffering with you? So let's be long-suffering then. But he says the rod of correction shall drive it far away. See, you have to start early and you have to start with praise and punishment. You have to use praise and punishment in, in, in the process. I mean... The little child is crying, and the other one, nah, 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 and you go, with him. okay, you're going to make sure they're all taken care of, you know, and make sure that they're not tangled up their toys or that they're diapered and they're fed and all that. But after a while, when they're going, nah, 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 they'll you know, just, they say, I got mom and dad control. And anytime I cry, they come. I'll we'll give them a little punishment. Don't come. You'll let them cry a while. Sometimes you have to hold your wife in bed. I know. Oh, we are going to go loose. Hallelujah, we won't have to listen to them anymore. <laughs> be over it. They'll be done. Brother when we had twin sons one cried, the other cry, you know, it was just back and forth But you know sometimes that that and then later on it starts to be a, you know, a little tap on the thigh You know not with the hand but with the, the spoon or the ruler or now they got these fancy little things that they come up with It's amazing what our kids have come up with I mean You're not trying to hurt the child, but you're starting to give them a little bit of pain the rod of correction will drive it far away Spanking is biblical don't you believe some of the kooks out there today trying to explain away spanking and by the way It's been upheld at the Supreme Court level every time that a case has gone to the Supreme Court as long as the parents were reasonable And I'll tell you what some parents need to be more reasonable and love their children enough to, to spank them And I won't take the time to go through all the verses and proverbs. You can do it yourself, but it is biblical And uh, it, it it makes a difference in their lives it, it, it will change them and we have to use that type of punishment well, Let me say something to you as they grow older the punishment may not be spanking. The pain may be taking away privileges. Now, be careful. A privilege is not going to camp, that's a necessity. A privilege is going over to their friend's house. Uh, a privilege is uh, getting to go to a certain sporting activity. In our household, a privilege was getting to play athletics. I mean, that those are the kind of things, I mean, not the things that you want to inculcate in their lives. It's not a privilege to, to say, okay, you can't sing in the, the ensemble. That's a necessity because that's music, that's ministry. But you don't have to go out there and shoot hoops. You know, you're going to find out you're going to hang up your tennis shoes a lot, before, a lot quicker than you hang up your, your musical op- opportunities. So be careful. You can't go to youth group. No, you want them to go to youth group. Now, don't praise the Lord if they want to go to youth group, but don't take away something you want them to do. But you take away those things that they don't have to do. Our sons, actually, when they were 13 years of age, we started the process of giving them $13 a week so they'd learn to manage money and so that they would have uh, something that we could take away and find them and also so that we had ways that we could honor them. Now, they had to buy all their own clothes and they they had to buy, if they wanted special treats like ice cream or pop, they had to buy it. We didn't buy it. Um, And uh, so, you know, it was amazing how you got rid of all these problems of walking around and saying, Dad, can I have that? Dad, can I have it? And I said, son, you have money. Yeah, what do you want to do? You know, it was, And it also taught them how to honor the Lord with their substance, the first fruits of all their increase, give to the Lord first, It help them learn how to budget. It's amazing how the, the fancy tennis shoes didn't matter as much anymore. And they were making those decisions instead of mom and dad. You know, we're like, oh, Jordans. Hey, son, you want to pay? No, no, I guess so. Yeah, I'll take Kmart specials now. I mean, it's amazing how much when when it's there. And I had some that, man, they were savers, and you'd have to sometimes beg them to buy some socks or something. You know just because you know to please get deodorant would you you know, I mean we, we uh, and, and at Christmas time They were thrilled to get crows And it was amazing how things changed when we did just uh, did that and made them somewhat responsible for those but we also could have fines uh, The things that were not done that were supposed to be done responsibilities, you know chores you know, Listen guys, you're not going to keep a job. You don't do what You're responsible to do so you need to learn now to, to bear responsibilities and so as they as they grow, yeah, I I think I had to spank each one of them one time after junior high just to prove I could do it. And they would all tell, remind you about it, and some of them would still say, it was probably just so I could prove they do it because they didn't deserve it. They'd probably still argue with you on that if you sat down and talked to them. But really, when they get into high school, you're, you're not talking about spanking them with the rod. You're talking about sort of giving them pain by taking away privileges. But let me hasten on, because this is... of these things that i'm so concerned about in christian homes because we seem to learn how to punish pretty well the thing we're missing is learning how to praise last night i took those little guys in my arms i said guys papa's so pleased so good for you to learn the word of god and sing his praises thank you for for being such good little boys and now, they're not always such good little boys. You stay around a little bit, you'll see. But, you know, they need to hear that. When they're doing something that's right, you ever, you ever had your children do something right? I think mean, you got to look for it sometimes. I understand that, especially boys. I understand that. I had three of them. But when they do, praise them. And good words, fitly spoken, how good it is. And we have the tendency to punish, 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 punish. And we expect them to do right. I mean, you know what? I expect them to do wrong because they're sinners. And I'll tell you to change your whole perspective on parity. Because when they do right, you ought to say, glory to God, they sat still at Sunday school. It's been a long time. But they finally did it. How are these son? And boy, you'll be amazed at how young people respond to praise, especially teenagers. You know, in elementary school, I tell teachers they can put those smiley faces on young people's hands, you know, and they won't wash them, they'll go around like this. I was the good girl. But that doesn't work in youth department. But if you put a smile on your face, give them a pat on the back, tell them, I love you, I'm praying for you, and they'll go through a wall for you. I'm telling you, young people, all they want to know is you care. You care. Weep with them. Pray with them. You know, rejo- Yeah, You know, I've had to take some guys by the nap of the neck and put them up against them and say, John, you're in trouble, but I can do it with a smile on my face. I don't get mad at them. And they knew what I was talking about. I'd say, I said, I, I want you to do right. And I, I, I'm here to make sure you do right. And I'm, I'm your cheerleader when you do right. But when you don't, I've got to deal with you. That's my biblical responsibility, understand? And I don't think this is fun for you, and it's not for me. Hebrews 12, 11, No chastisement for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are exercised thereby. My responsibility, because I realize it's what it takes to bring about godliness in the life of my children, in the life of our young people in our church, not that I don't look fine. I say, you can solve us all a lot of problems. Just do right. Every time, do right. And guess what? that will be better for all of us. But it's my responsibility to learn to praise them, not just to punish them. In the business world, sometimes they'll say four praises for every punishment or four compliments for every correction. Isn't it interesting that in the business world, they'll teach you as managers to give four compliments for every criticism, but we somehow as parents haven't learned the same biblical lesson. Our children need to be encouraged. In this day and age, I'll tell you, just the fact that they're seated and clothed and in their right mind, it's so much better than what you see. I, I praise our young people all the time. If you came to Tri-City, you'd say, man, Herbsters, really overdo You can't overdo it. And Wednesday nights, we have our young people in the choir loft, and they sing, and, and we have specials all from our young people, and I mean, we do it so that they can be involved in, in ministry, but we also do it to encourage all the folks that come. And there's two things that people comment about Tri City when they come and visit: our music and our young people. Those two things, and uh, praise the Lord that uh, God is doing a great. And they need to hear because they, they're not out all over everywhere else. They're just there, and they have their struggles, and they have their problems, and their difficulties. And so, if we're always just focusing in on the things they're doing wrong, yeah, they could be just as bad as everyone else. But uh, we want to focus on the things they're doing right and encourage them to do more right. And you'll get that by praising them, not just punish them. Oh, it's both. But if I had to get you to overdo one more than the other, I'd say praise more than you punish. Now, with some of our kids, that means we're going to have to praise a lot because we've got to punish a lot. Because every time they do wrong, we have to deal with it. You just can't let it go. You can't. You can't avoid it. That's ours. don't believe the psychologists say just, oh, just, just ignore it. They just want your attention. They'll get my attention. But the kind of attention I give them is not the kind of attention they really want. That's God's process. Parents, take control. Start early. Use praise and punishment. Keep your priorities in line, and God will greatly bless. What is the purpose? Let's hurry on. The purpose. He says, train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. Is there a way God wants him to go? Yes or no? Yes. God has a mind on this matter. God, God says, first of all, there's a general purpose. Let me give you the general purpose. It's the same purpose he has for all of us. What is it? To be like Christ. Thank you. To be like Christ. Whom he did for an out. remember, yesterday, I mean, we, we do try to build. I mean, it's okay for you to remember things that we did yesterday. It's all right. You know, and that's that's part of the whole process. And whom he did for an hour who also did predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that the man of God may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works, till you come to that perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Philippians 2, 5. Let this, together, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, give me another one, Romans 13, verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Ephesians 4, 15, speaking the truth and love that they might grow up into Him in all things which is the head, even Christ Jesus. You could go on and on and on. God's purpose is for us to be Christ like, it's for our children to be Christ like, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Well, go to Luke chapter 2, then, and I want to show you what areas have to be developed if we're going to be Christ like. Luke chapter 2. By the way, there is just no way we're going to be able to cover everything about child training. My wife's going to share some more things in the ladies' session. I'll share some more things in the men's session. But there's some good books in the bookstore. I worked on the book uh, uh, Training Children to Turn Out Right that is there. You'll see that I did the foreword in that book. I've said that I wouldn't ever write a book myself until I saw my children raising my grandchildren for the... Children for the Lord, so it's getting close to the time where I'm going to write one myself, uh, my wife and I. But uh, I definitely want my wife involved. She said, head no, oh, yes." She shake her head, "Yes, Yeah, Thank you for being an obedient, submissive wife, and uh, she'll at least edit out. I'll guarantee you because my English is not very good. But uh, shepherding a child's heart—that's there. You know, working on the heart, uh, just on the actions. So important. Fugate's book for small children and, and knowing how to uh, effectively spank. Um, you know is, is probably the, what the Bible says about child training. I think all three of those those are my three favorite uh, I think they're all there and there's a lot more that could be said But look here in Luke 2 in verse 52. It says in Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God with man and With man Luke two fifty-two. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man now if you Understand the life of Jesus. He's just come out of the temple. What age was he then? and he's just getting ready to start his uh, ministry in, as we go into chapter 3. What age is he then? 30. So here's a verse that talks about his development between 12 and 30. And what does it say? What happened to Jesus? Who we're supposed to be like. He increased in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. There are four areas that need to be developed in all of our children. Here's a whole other session again, but I'm just going to give them to you. But I mean, he, mentally... Wisdom, that's the ability to t- take information and utilize that information and to operate on that information and oh, uh, how we need wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning. We could go on and on a whole, as yes, you can tell, a whole message on wisdom. So he, he, that's the mental area, using your brains. It's not wrong for us to use our brains. Remember, listen and evaluate before you take action. Don't just say whatever the preacher said, whatever the preacher said. No, evaluate it. Use your brain. Figure it out. You will know, study the Bible for yourself. Study to show yourself approved. We're supposed to teach young people how to use their minds. God has given it to us. Use it. Tell our people. Don't park your brains at the back door. You teach people how to think. So important. It increases stature. That's the physical. And our bodies are to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and it's our responsibility to teach our young people how to have good posture, how to eat properly, how to exercise properly, how to have good hygiene, uh, how to dress properly. Boy, in this day and age, you've got to help them out. Sometimes, dads, you're the ones that got to do the most of that because you're, you know what men look at. Sometimes wives don't understand how men are motivated by sight. You do. So don't you dare let your daughters dress in such a way that it's going to draw men's attention to their body. I didn't have any girls to do that, but I got some granddaughters, and I'll guarantee you. I don't want men looking at uh, my granddaughters the way some men look at women because of the way they dress. And uh, I, I, we've, got, we've got to deal with That's part of this whole matter, covering the body. I tell our folks, I, I don't know what the garments are. I don't understand all the garments and all the different things, but I know it needs to be lots. It needs to be loose. It needs to be long, and it needs to be ladylike. Those they boy I, and if I don't care what you, you you put the name on the garment I don't understand all these garment things, but I know if it's lots loose long and ladylike then I'm happy Because that's what I want because you can have a lot, but it's tight and it's trouble for men and so we, we we have to teach them these things we have to teach guys What's happening to them as they develop into men and why they're having an attraction to women I mean the marriage bill is undefiled folks And and God has a beautiful relationship in marriage, and it's supposed to be there. Let's not make it dirty. Let's make it beautiful. But we have a responsibility to make sure they understand what's happening to them. And I told my sons, I said, when you have your your first wet dream, when you have the first time in your life, when you have some sort of discharge coming from your sexual organ, I want to know about it, because then I can start talking to you about the situation. And make sure that they know what's happening to them, because it's not a scary thing, just like you would talk with a, a daughter as she starts her menstrual cycle. But we, we've, got to under, we've got to help young people in the physical area to deal with those things. That's very, very important. Number three, favor with God. Favor with God. Spiritual. That's, that's the spiritual area. Having a right relationship with God. Making sure they know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Hallelujah. Three of our grandchildren already have trusted Christ as their Savior. And what a special thing to hear on your answering machine. Papa, Nana, I trusted Jesus Christ. Oh, I think she said, I'm a Christian now, our oldest one, first time. I'm a Christian now. And boy, well, you think we didn't want to answer that phone call, find out all about when she came to know Jesus Christ as her savior. It wasn't too much longer. Micah here. You could probably tell last night he was a Christian, couldn't you? You could probably just tell by his countenance. (laughs) It's amazing, though. Uh, My boys, uh, Mark and uh, Mike, were saved at four. And man, it's just amazing that the change that can't even take place in a child's life with in their response to the parents when they they get saved and i remember him calling and talking to us about the trust in the lord jesus christ as a savior and then just not too long ago nathan matt and julie's second child called and he's trusted christ and you know that's what it, you can't have a right relationship with god until first of all you know jesus christ is your personal savior at the same time matthew who made a profession at five later on as a camp counselor at uh, the Wilds had to get it, get that thing settled because Dad didn't handle it properly when he came to me questioned his salvation as a young child. I convinced him that he was saved. I did it wrong. I mean, I know I know now, but I was a babe in Christ myself back then. But I should have said, his "Son, well, if you're not sure, let's let's look at the scriptures and let's get this matter taken care of right now." And I'll tell you, I, I, at baptizing him as a six foot six teenager, you know, I I I didn't have a bit of problem. I wasn't the least bit embarrassed. I was thrilled. You know, so don't let, because I said, I don't, I don't care when you got saved, you got saved. Now he said, well, maybe I did get saved. I, son, doesn't matter. You know, now you know, right? My boy said, this explains a lot about Matthew growing up. <laughs> he probably wasn't saved. I said, well, maybe not. I and we have a lot of fun with it in our home. But you see, that's, that's the spiritual, helping them to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the social area. And this is one we sometimes forget. As much as lies within you, live at peace with, All men do good to all men, especially the household of faith, but 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 we're supposed to live at peace with all men We're supposed to learn how to get along with others Jesus Christ was able to mix and mingle with sinners and yes his message offended them, but his manner didn't And how are we going to reach this world if we don't learn how to interact with this world? And be salt and light in this world and we have to teach them, you know social graces and help them to understand People skills. One of the things that I see a lot of preachers lacking in is preacher as people skills. And maybe they maybe have preaching skills, but they don't have people skills. And in the pastorate, at least you need both. I guess as an evangelist, you could just go in and blow up and get out of there. But you know, no, no, I would think you need as an evangelist too. But you know, we need to learn how to get along with each other. It's very interesting to me. Is these four areas, and like I said, I could go on and on about these. When I was in secular school, which I went to a secular college, Indiana Central University, Indianapolis, Indiana, I took ed psycho as an education major. And they taught that there were four areas that needed to be developed in the life of every person. Four areas. Now, this is, again, very interesting to me. Man looked at man and said there's four areas that need to be developed. Number one, mental. Number two, physical. Number three, social. And number four, not spiritual. Oh, we couldn't have anything spiritual in secular schools, right? Emotional. Because, after all, isn't religion just a crutch anyhow? Just some way for you to cope with your emotion and deal with some of the difficulties of life. It's, you know, this, all things work together for good. You know, you're trying to you know, just make people feel good, right? May, help them handle the grief. You know, it's a, it's a grief technique. We know what you're doing. No, no, no. It, it's the area that makes all the rest of them work. But isn't it interesting that man looking at man tells us exactly what God's Word has already told us? That we need to work on all four and just because you have a young person that knows the word of God and reads the Bible all the time and Preaches to everybody and hands out tracts all the time if they're obnoxious. You haven't done your job If They don't know how to relate to other people and they're smelly You know don't know how to you know We could go on and on and on see it's outside and inside all around the town We need to work with with our children and help them in all these areas if they're going to be Christ like but there's not only a general purpose but there's also a specific purpose for our children, God has a specific will for everyone's life. Do you believe that? I read a book for a long uh, 25 years ago that was a controversial book in finding the will of God, and it talked about that. Listen, there was a there's a circle here. Then there were several things within that circle that any of those choices would be okay with God in your will. You know, and there were several women that you could marry. You know, several jobs that you could have. You know, so, and, and all on, let just say, it really didn't matter to God as long as it was in. The, I don't believe that. I believe God has a specific will for your life. And my job is to find God's will for my life. It is God who worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And I sure, Rob, I wouldn't want you in the ministry if God didn't want you in the ministry. I'm not one of these trying to get people into a pastoral position, because I'll tell you, you won't last if it's not where God wants you. But when you know it's God that puts you there, then you'll last. I I wouldn't want somebody that's in secular work, uh, in the business world, if they're supposed to be in the pastorate. Uh, They need to be where God wants them to be and that's part of our process And I know it's a process that we have to go through and a lot of time could be spent talking about that But with my children, I want to help them find God's will for their life. I Don't want to help them find daddy's will Take over the bifta son I Mean everybody's been a doctor in our household. My father was a doctor My grandfather was a doctor and son. You're gonna be a doctor. I mean after all that's the way it's got to be in the practice No What we have to do is seek, what does God want for our children? You know, children are different. God's got a different will for each of our children. One of my greatest fears was that my sons would be daddy-called preachers. I mean, I praise the Lord that God's called each one of them into the ministry and that they serve the Lord in the ministry, but um, I, I prayed for God's will for their life. I said, God, if you can use them in ministry, that'd be great, but I didn't want them to do it because Daddy wanted them to do it. I wanted them to do it because God wanted them to do it. I challenged them about it. Because i said if you can do anything else son do it but i think they caught a little bit of glimpse of the joy there is in serving jesus in our household and they're having a ball serving the lord And i'm thankful but mark and michael twins different as night and day maybe not in the way they look but in the way they operate i mean they cried different when they were born i mean if you would have been there with us in the delivery and heard them cry in their early days Mark was and Michael is meh right. meh 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 who opened the wagon and who pulled the wagon? Think you got that figured out? meh 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 Okay Michael Who pulled i and uh who is the fiery evangelistic preacher and who is the Easygoing, going second-man, music guy. Now, both of them preach, and both of them do a great job, and both of them do music, and both of them do a great job. But guess who's the president of Herpster Evangelistic Ministries? And who's the secretary treasurer? <laughs> I'm vice president. But who's the secretary treasurer? You got it? Why? Different personalities. And probably if I was looking at him, I'd say, well, Mark has that evangelist temperament. Michael has that pastoral temperament. If you have Tom Farrell, he's out of our ministry, and I'm about as much pastor as he is evangelist. Most people thought we'd kill each other when we got together because we're both chargers, you know, but uh, it really is work wonderful because he understands my gifts and I understand his gifts and our temperaments. You know, not Tom Farrell, but I had one evangelist when he wanted to play golf. He said, just tell him to take two verses and call you in the morning. I mean, that's, you know, that's immediate. get this thing done, you know, and that's why I bring evangelists in, by the way. Now is the accepted time we, we pastors maybe not put enough pressure on sometimes. I want evangelists to come in and nail people different people God calls to do different things different people are gifted different ways and We need to help our children find God's will for their life and I shared with you before uh, Early on in the first night, but I look for three things I look for to the scriptures to guide in knowing God's will I look to the Holy Spirit to guide in Finding God's will and I look to other Saints the scriptures the Spirit and the Saints multitude counselors that's how I go about helping young people find the will of God for their life and to help them to direct Matt had it especially difficult because he's always had a missions heart he thought from high school he was gonna be a missionary in Russia in the Soviet Union so I took him on a trip to help him exposing to to that and I was gonna visit missionaries and I took him along Matthew found out very quickly that that was not where the Lord wanted him because he said I would offend more people just by my normal behavior because if you go uh, they were very the church very serious through persecution, no groofing off, no telling stories, no I mean it's serious I mean and I mean it was is amazing and you'd understand why you know there, there's nothing to joke about when it comes to the persecution we've been through and Matthew saw that that wasn't it and Dr. Hay talked to him about the wilds and he's always loved camping and I tell people it's he gets to preach, sing, and goof off. He's good at all three. And uh, and but but you know what happened through all that? He says, you know, I really have a missions heart, and I really hope that the Wilds would be interested in missions in the future. And he says, we we are we're we're interested now. They have camps abroad. That Matt Collier, who was uh, came to Heart of America, graduated from our seminary, got caught the vision, and we worked with him on camps abroad. And Matt's involved in that, and on the board of camps abroad, and helping take camps around the world. Next week they'll have one down in in mexico outside the the monterey where we started the christian university and uh, he was just in russia uh with a camp uh, project uh, over there and uh, so you you see how god god leads through these things i want them to find god's specific will for their life and uh praise the lord i think our boys have and we kind of challenged michael he just bought this big truck big truck i mean he's got four kids now big i mean it's like a a semi tractor trailer, but they converted it to a motor home, and so that they use the kind of sleeper part. As I mean, so now they can have more children too. You know, we'd, <laughs> I don't know what'll happen, but I said, but I think six will fit in here, son. It looks like it to me. Uh, let's go. You know, be pretty cool. multiply and Who knows how the Lord will lead? But um, you know, I before I let him get that truck, I said, now, son, are you committed to this? Because I know you've talked about the pastorate too, and are you committed? Because I mean, you're getting a truck that's going to last you for five to ten years. And I just want to make sure that you, you're committed to this, and uh, we're not, uh, you know, going out and wasting money. And I believe that they're, they're committed, and that that's a team that really fits. I mean, like I said, the Matt, Matt, and the Matt—they get along real well. I mean, they're womb mates. They say they're womb mates. You think of their womb mates. So they they understand each other very well, and their wives get along so well. But that's isn't it neat to be able to help your children not only have the general purpose for their life to be Christ-like. But find the specific purpose as well to serve the Lord Jesus Christ where he wants them to serve last thing the promise You say man, this is the controversial thing. You didn't leave a lot of time for this. That's right because I claim it as a promise I'm tired of these people that are trying to say this is not not a promise. It's a hope No, it's a promise of God I Mean it's a conditional promise right because look at, look at it again, Proverbs chapter 22, 6. The condition is, if you train them up in the way they should go, then when they're old, they'll not depart from it. It is a conditional promise, but it's still a promise. And let me ask you something. Do any of us perfectly train our children up in the way they should go? Would the perfect parent please stand up? Excuse me. None of us, right? So isn't it by the grace of God that any of our children turn out? But God is very long-suffering. He sure was with me, with my wife, because we sure weren't the perfect parents. But I'll tell you something we did every day of our life is pray for our children. Now we're praying for our grandchildren because it's only by the grace of God that any of our children turn out. And one of the things that we do to train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is to bathe them in prayer. And claim the promise. If you don't pray faith-believing, forget it. Now, let me ask you, does that mean that to never have children to go wayward? No, of course they will, because, I mean, children also have a free will. And, and that's what's hard for us to put together how they could uh, grow up and then go and live for self after we've trained them upright. But remember, we didn't train them upright because none of us are perfect. And remember, they have that free will to make the choice. But you know what I do, and I encourage people to do if that happens? Pray for them, because God can bring them back. Reconciliation is possible and claim the promise That would ask anything faith believing that he will do and I can tell you a numbers of young people That have come back into a right relationship with mom and dad and a right relationship with the Lord And when they're old they haven't departed from them. they're going on serving the Lord Jesus Christ And I'm not going to sit around and get blaming God Because it's only by the grace of God that I get anything good And I'll tell you, you're not going to get anywhere blaming God for your children. I'll tell you, if my boys go wayward, I'll tell you who I'm going to blame, me. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm sorry, I sure wasn't a perfect parent, but God, would you get a hold of our hearts now? Please, God, do the work. I'll tell you, who are we, the clay, to say the potter? Why have you done this? What, foolish, foolish. This is a promise of God. It's a conditional promise. But let me say something. It's also a consistent promise. It's a consistent promise. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're an old parent or a young parent. It doesn't matter whether you're an urban parent or a rural parent. It doesn't matter whether you're an American parent or a Mexican parent. It doesn't matter, you know, what your background, you know, what's your job, what's your church. It doesn't matter. God says if you'll take seriously your responsibility to train up children in the way they should go That he'll do the work in their hearts that needs to be done and when they're old They'll not depart from it now. It's interesting in the Jewish mindset. This even means teenagers when they're teenagers Now I know teenagers question a lot But that's normal and natural they're becoming adults But you can have good teenagers I my son, Matt, one time, listening to a radio program, heard that all teenagers go through rebellion, so he came home, he said, Dad, Dad, I heard on Christian radio that all teenagers go through rebellion, when's it going to happen to me? Hallelujah, I never saw any of our children go through rebellion, I don't care what the experts say, it doesn't have to happen. We have a whole youth group of over 100 teenagers that, yeah, there's some, that, uh, Aren't living for the Lord, but I'm telling you, a large percentage of them are, several of them here as camp counselors that you can get to know. And I I dare you to find one of them that said, Yeah, they went through that real questioning. Sure, that's not rebellion. I mean, don't you ever question anything? Listen, evaluate. I want my children to evaluate. I don't want them to just be blind followers. I want them to learn how to be discerning and all these things. But hallelujah, we can raise godly teenagers. And if you just stay around here for a while and watch the teenagers come in yeah we have those that are the challenges just like we have the adults are the challenges but we also have the wonderful godly teenagers but it's also true that sometimes teenagers don't understand things and they grow up and between their 18th and 25th birthday dad wises up a bunch and especially when they start having their own children <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> How some of the things you tried to be in there that te- you have teach it to your children. You're saying, oh, ah, huh, interesting. Uh, I remember some times when they didn't like me talking to them about that. But now they're talking to their children about that. Just don't grow weary in well-doing. Because in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. I, uh, my wife early on in our marriage uh, had a poem. Uh, what do you call it? Calligraphied or calligraphied or whatever was what was it telegraphed calligraphed. thank you i've learned the word it's a you should know too because she does it uh, rachel does it uh, i had had a poem calligraphed um, for me and it's called i've just got to be successful uh, i memorized it i think i still have it pretty well but i brought it along with me just to make sure because this is was really my heart from the earliest days i can remember going forward in a church service as a young businessman saying as for me and my house we're going to serve the lord that kills me and it kills that more to serve the lord because uh, i may never be as clever as my neighbor down the street and i may never be as wealthy as some other men i meet i may never have the glory that some other men have had but i've just got to be successful as my little fellow's dad there are certain dreams that i cherish that i'd like to see come true and there are things that i'd like to accomplish before my ministry days are through but the task my heart is set on is to guide my little lads and to show myself successful as my little fellow's dad Though I may never come to glory, and I may never gather gold, and men may count me a failure when my ministry life is told. But if they that follow after will be godly, then I'll be glad, for I know I've been successful as my little fellow's dead. It's the one job that I dream of. It's the task I think of most, for if I fail my little fellows, what do I have to boast? For all the wealth and fame I've gathered, all my future will be sad if I fail to be successful as my little fellow's dead. Oh, that may be my desire for my little fellows and gals, grandchildren as well. May it be your desire. And would you, would you just trust God and train up your children in the way they should go so that when they're old, they'll not depart from it. someday you'll have the joy of seeing your children raising your grandchildren for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the truths learned from the Word of God will challenge your heart to a greater degree of love for God and a desire to make Him known through your life. Join us tomorrow for the next message. Thank you, and may God bless you.